Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is sponsored in loving memory of Moshe Daba, Alava Shalom, Lilun Nishman Moshe Ben Gilsom. Sponsored by his wife and children, Yvette, and his children, Haim, Ezra, Isaac, and Gila. We wish you only Nehama. Breakfast is also sponsored in loving memory of Amnon Mazig, Lilun Nishman Amnon Ben Luisa Vishalom. Sponsored by his brother, Yossi Mazig, Tehenish Matot, Surab, Surah Chaim. There's a line here that appears again and again and again in this week's parasha, and I want to point it out to you, because I think it's a very important line, and it seems as well in many times where uh, it's, it's not, it doesn't add anything to the pasuk. Don't turn to the other gods. Do not make other idols. I am Hashem your God. Why does it need to say, I am Hashem your God? When you have a kerem, when you have a vineyard, when you have these extra pieces which a person is not allowed, uh, is not supposed to uh, take the underdeveloped items in the, in the field, they're supposed to leave them for the poor. Again, it says, I am Hashem your God. It carries on. Don't swear falsely in my name. Again and again. Don't curse a, a person who is deaf. You think he can't hear you. Don't put a stumbling block in front of a blind man. In, in judgment, if there's someone who's poor, don't twist the law in order to accommodate the fact that he doesn't have enough money, that you feel terrible for him. Ani Hashem. Again and again and again. Love your neighbor like yourself. Rashi points out and so on and so forth. Again and again and again. In every one of the Pesukim we find again so many times in the parasha this concept. Rashi says on those words, I am Hashem your God. Why does it need to express those words? And he answers in a magnificent way. He says, a person may think that this misvah is masur, is given over only to my own head. I'm, I need to honor the, the, uh, the countenance of an elderly man, of a, of a person who has many, many years, who's an old, old person. I need to show them honor and, and glory. But you know what? Maybe when the guy walks in, I look this way, it's not obvious whether or not I saw him come in, so I don't stand up. It says, don't stand by and do nothing. You know what? I know that all the time this guy walks down the road, he needs help. I'll just take, uh, you know, Madison instead of Fifth. That way, and you know, meanwhile, now nobody thinks I'm a bad guy. I didn't run across the guy. I made sure that I, that I didn't put myself in a situation where I have any obligations. Uh, I could decide instead of to move to a community where there are no old people. I could decide if I want, if my parents live in, uh, in America, to move to England. Right? Like, I, you know, maybe that's what I was uh, doing, running away. I don't, you know, I don't want to take, uh, take care. I don't want to have to call them. I don't have to go for Shabbat. So maybe that's what I'll do. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ani Hashem Elokechem. I am Hashem your God. You're forgetting about me. I don't need, I don't need to watch. I don't need to see. Everything that goes on in your heart of hearts, in, in the deepest recesses of your mind, I'm aware of them. And trust me, I am Ne'eman. I am trustworthy. To pay good reward to the righteous and uh, comeuppance, like we say, to the Rishayim, to people that do, that do bad. And I, I always thought to myself, you know, what if we invited HaKadosh Baruch Hu informally 
into our brains and into our hearts. Now this is a strange thought for most of us. Number one, because practically if God is in our brains and hearts anyway, what are we doing inviting him in? But the answer is, but there's a big difference between someone who barges into your home uninvited and unwanted and someone that you invite home graciously as a guest. What if anyway he's there, but we were to graciously invite him into our heads? And every thought that you had, who's sitting there at the table with you having that thought? Hashem. Could you imagine how you would look at people? God forbid, you're looking at a woman thinking inappropriate. Hashem is like, oh, okay. Right? I, I'm, I'm, you know, and you're like, oh, Mechila, forget Hashem, Slicha. I forgot that you were also here. Uh, I'm sorry for showing you that image. You know, sometimes I walk into a person's house, you see they flip out because the rabbi is here. So they're running around, they didn't realize, they're running around like covering up this magazine and this other thing. And Mechila, rabbi, I had a guy once, he had a big painting in his house. He's standing here like this in front of the painting. Like Yeshu, like you know what I mean? On the cross, he's standing. And as I'm walking past, so he's going like this, moving along, trying to block my view. I said to him, I said, uh, you know, I said, it must be uncomfortable. He says, what? I said, every day you get home, you stand like this all day, blocking the, the painting. He goes, he goes, no, Rabbi, it's just for you. I said, don't do it for me. If it's wrong, do it for you. If it's right, then you don't even need to do it for me. If we invited HaKadosh Baruch Hu into our heads and our hearts and thought not just of doing things that we would get caught or caught out doing, but actually that everything that we do, God sees. And, and these cheshbonot that we make to circumnavigate something, it's, it's just the only person we're hurting is ourselves. Rabotai, I want to illustrate one idea. And I think in this week's parasha, there's a concept that uh, constantly repeats itself. And that is the concept of balance and equilibrium. And I want to mention what, I want to mention just for one briefly what, what I mean when I say that. We talk about ish imove aviv tirau. We talk about honoring your parents, but making sure that you have that reverence for them. We talk about the zaken, that there's an obligation to rise for an old man. It's an obligation. Get up, stand up out of your seat. In fact, there's even laws about standing up. Like if you're standing already when he came in, you didn't fulfill the mitzvah. How much do you have to stand? Could you just do the little tushy jump? You know, that people love to do when somebody walks in. Is that enough? Is that considered standing? There's laws about this. So we have this elevation where you recognize your place and you say, this person is above, is above me. But Rabotai, also the parasha, in dealing with this balance and equilibrium and the way that we see people, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created humanity, created every human being is equal before HaKadosh Baruch Hu in their creation. And it's up to them to be able to take that surah, that uh, um, the, the image of God that God gave every human being and to elevate it. Don't think that although there's your parents and you just elevated them and now the world is okay, well, what about the people that are beneath you? You have someone, a day worker, you brought him around the house, he's a plumber, he's a this, he's a that. You say, you know, I'm a big shot, I'm a CEO, Fortune 500 company. This guy, whatever, he's a dip, look at the job that he has, you know. So for me, you know what, I'm going to bother myself to run back to the office to get a check for him now, I'll do it tomorrow. No. No. In the office, if someone told you on the payday you're going to pay them tomorrow, what would you tell them? Mechilas, you know, this is not how business is done. Don't hold it back. When you see someone who's, who's struggling, their business is failing, remember that this person who you think is less than, is equal to. 
So we are finding the hierarchy of where people stand, where friends are, where parents have to be. You're finding that there's all these uh, uh, hierarchical, you know, line managers, you know, uh, posters that you have in your office that delineate who's on top of whom. We actually understand the structure of our, uh, uh, of our social understanding of the community around us. And we're finding these laws in a way which is very, very important to us. I just want to mention one last point with regards to this uh, concept. Because automatically, you know what, sometimes we, get, we, tr- we talk to ourselves and we convince ourselves of things. You know, the reason why I'm do- speaking this way to my father, my mother, is not because uh, I'm, I'm, I, don't want, I don't respect them. The reason why, you know, this old man, this elderly gentleman, I didn't give him the time of day, is not because I, I'm not fulfilling Vadarta Penezakin. But you know what? Someone needs to show them. Someone, they need tough love. Only God knows if it's tough love or tough toughness. So although we can explain it away to everybody else, HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows not just the action and the thought, but the motivation behind the action and that thought. And it's important to keep reiterating that because you know what? We human beings, we think we're so clever. And we think we're pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. And nobody knows, and nobody sees, and nobody understands. And we're, we're scamming the world. We're gaming everything. But the truth is, it's not that way. The Pasuk tells us in Devarim something fantastic. It says, It talks about uh, muzzling the animal. There's laws about how you're supposed to... Uh, plow with your animal. And what's fascinating is, along with this obligation of how your animal is when it's plowing, there's another law, and that law states that you cannot saddle or tie together in the yoke a, an ox and, and a donkey. And the question arises, why not? I'm just pulling the plow. What difference does it make? And the Chachamim explained that the shore, a bull, an ox, is a very strong animal. So it pulls, it pulls ahead, and the donkey is now falling behind, and the plow is uh, now not pulling in a natural manner. It causes the donkey pain, okay? But I thought to myself, if everything in the Torah is supposed to teach you not just about itself, but also about its, uh, its parallels in the human experience. So Rabotai, I learned from this also when we understand the hierarchy of the human race and where people are and how people stand. It's also very important never to, le- to saddle together, to put together two people who actually should not be brought about in the same place. So, you know, a lot of times we look at someone and we say, you know, this guy, you know, he never comes to shul. And people say, look, you know, judge him favorably. This week's parasha, judge him favorably. He doesn't come from such a religious family. He doesn't this, he doesn't that, he doesn't know better. You know, it's nice that he's coming once a week or once a month or once a year. And, 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 and you know what people answer? <laughs> Rubbish. I also come from a non-religious family. I also come from that circumstance. And I'm here. How many times have we heard people say that? You know, oh, the guy, yeah, maybe he's not, maybe the reason why he was nasty is because, you know, he's under financial pressure in his business. And what do people say? I'm also, I'm also under financial pressure in my business. Law, you cannot plow the field and tie a bull to a donkey. The donkey situation is such that it's not as strong. It can't pull the same weight. So although they're both animals and they both have a job, to put them saddled together is unfair. 
and, and, and it allows a person to begin to see themselves as better than the other. It causes friction and breaks the possibility for a person to fulfill another mitzvah in the parashah. Now this concept is true not just about other people, but it's true also about our children. We'll decide to measure one of our children by saddling them up together with another child. And this kid is better academically. Or the other kid's better academically, but you know what the problem is. Or they're the same academically, but this kid struggles with authority figures. And you know what? This year, or this school, is very authoritative in the way that they teach. You're saddling together two things that are not the same. And then you're judging one of them for not producing the same results as the other. It's unfair. So much of life can be seen in this paradigm. And therefore, people can be understood, can be appreciated, can be loved. And instead of seeing someone who's not helped themselves and say, you know what, the mitzvah of lo ta'amod al-dam re'echa, you know, doesn't apply here. Because you know what, first you have to help yourself. And you know what, the Torah also agrees with that concept sometimes. Hakem takim imo says the pasuk. If his animal falls down and he's sitting on the side with his arms folded like this, what's the halakha? You're not obligated to help up his donkey. You know why? Because he's not helping himself. The Torah has that, com- that, that concept. You're not smarter than the Torah. However, it's true in certain scenarios. Because you know what? He could stand up. What if the guy is a crippled? Is crippled? What if the guy has no arms? Could you imagine you telling the guy, Mehila, I see your donkey, everything fell, but I'm not going to help you up. Because look, it's a Bifirush Pasuk in the Torah. It says, Hakem Takim Imo. Now, unfortunately for you, you don't have arms. Like they say in French, sucks for you. But unfortunately, that means that I'm Padur from helping you up with your donkey. No one would ever say that. No one would ever say that. But physical arms are not different than psychological and emotional arms. And there are times when people are in situations where they cannot help themselves. It's important to understand the hierarchy that we create is quite often not the hierarchy. And the way the Torah sees people spread across the human spectrum is very different to the way that we see them. If we could align our vision with the Torahs, we'd find ourselves in a much better position. Baruch Adonai Amen.